Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm joined by Jamie McLennan, one of the best hockey analysts out there, a great color commentator, and uh, co-host of Overdrive on TSN 1050. So, Jamie, thanks so much for coming back on the show. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, how's, how's it going? Do you feel uh, ready for uh, the new year? You, you're really in the swing of things. Yeah, I am. I mean, yeah, I've been working, you know, working some games, all of that type of stuff. But it's uh, like anything, you just kind of you hit the ground running. And I feel like, you know, I've been back on my show and stuff since September 5th. So uh, my I feel like my role, um, you know, I start September 5th and I'm done July 2nd. And I feel like I just work right through because although I do get days off, it just feels like you're you know, you're constantly either calling a game or at games or talking about games and stuff. I was actually at uh, Toronto, Chicago last night. I went to the game right after our show, and that wow. was cool to see the the kid Bedard play. And, and uh, you know, he's going to be special. So it was, you know, like I say, a lot of moving parts, but uh, it's all good. How are things with you? Good, good. What what do you make of Bedard? I'll just ask you a little bit about that, like watching him live and in person. I think he's, I mean... He's as advertised, he's special. And, you know, once, I don't know if it's going to be five games or if it's going to be 10 games, but when the light goes on for this kid, and what I mean by that is is when he starts to realize his spacing, uh, how good he is, like what he can get away with on the ice skill-wise, you're going to see a special, special effort. So it's a, it's impressive. Uh, I want to ask you just to go back because last time I had you on the show, I talked about your color commentary and obviously you, you're at the, the Sens games this weekend, but I want to ask you about, a little about overdrive because you're on that, as you said, from September 5th to July 2nd, what do you think has made that show so successful with you and Hayes and, and, and Jeff O'Neill and, and how do you stay on top of it? Cause as you said, you're not only, uh, it's not just a hockey show, although it is a lot about uh, the Leafs and, and the NHL. Yeah. I mean, you know what it is? It's it's three guys that are friends and and you just talk about what's what's topical. Like obviously living in Toronto, um, you know, we'll talk about Toronto sports scene, which is which is fair because it's our backyard. But then, you know, Hayes is such a good, you know, he's a he's a great host at finding like nuggets. So mm. you see you see this story in i don't know in la where this guy you know threw a sandwich or something like it's 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 current events and it'll just stir conversation and the best thing about our show is it's easy and what i mean it's it's hard but it's easy in the fact that we've got chemistry and we like each other Mm. so it's not this big phony you know like hey we got to get to air and make it work and we're better when we don't speak before the show that way we save our reactions and everything for being on the show so mm-hmm. i i always found when we got to the studio at 3 15 for a four o'clock show you're sitting there and you start bsing about some of the stuff that you're gonna and i would hear our producer sometimes um you know our old producer todd hayes uh say hey guys save it for the air and you're like mm-hmm. okay that's right like instead of talking and forming your opinion and all of these things like save it for the air, make it cold, go in cold, uh, react, uh, you know, you still have to do your research. I read every morning on, on teams clips and stuff. I talk to people throughout the day that are in the league, but you still, it's your opinion. you got to live with it. So that's basically the way I look at it is, uh, that's kind of the prep for overdrive is, is 
we have a framework of what we're going to talk about. And then we just kind of go in and, and go at it. Um, with that, like, were you guys always like, like, did you know, O-Dog, like beforehand? Like, just how did you that kind of show come together? Yeah, I knew. I mean, I know I knew O from playing against him and we had a lot of kind of mutual friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I would run into him, it's just, you know, quick stop and chat, that type of stuff. But, I, you know, we weren't like buddies. We never had each other's like phone numbers or anything like that. So when the show first started, like 13 years ago, it was me and Brian Hayes on a on TSN radio called Blue Lunch because we didn't even have the rights. So we couldn't say leaps. So it was a blue lunch and then we were one hour and we extended to two hours. And then what happened after that was Hayes and I had good chemistry. It was a lot of fun. O-Dog wanted to join the station, but he's like, I want to be on that show. So they tried the three of us and, you know, kind of the rest is history. And then we were on Leafs lunch and then yep. they moved us to a drive show from four to seven. And, you know, that's, it's, Three hours is a lot. It's a big clip. Like that's the the biggest thing is you'll find sometimes throughout the the show some sags in it just based on, you know, not not shortage of stuff to talk about. It's more about just the energy. You know, it's yeah, it's it's a long time to talk. And, you know, we we've got lots of things to talk about and yell and scream and have fun about, but it's it it, it, it when you look at it. You know, I go back and do it because O and I both have our summers off and Hayes has lots of holidays in the summer. And as you know, radio in the, the summer, a lot of it is a wasteland, right? Because people mm-hmm. take their holidays. So, you know, in the 10 months that I am on, you know, you're talking 200 and some shows, right? Like, so yeah. you're, you know, you're going to have good shows. You're going to have bad shows. You're going to have things that you feel like you needed to say things that you wish you could have said or articulated differently. Um, but at the end of the day, like you're, you know, we, we enjoy it. Um, but it's still, it's, it's work, you know, that's, that's yeah. really what it is. It, it's yeah. work, even though we're having fun. Um, you know, sometimes when people talk about it, like my wife used to run the station. She now is, has been uh, moved to a different um, uh, area in TSN, but, uh, um, you know, she will, ask, she'll ask like, how was the show? And I'll say, I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Like a lot of times you, you turn off and you're like, okay, that was three hours. I have no idea what we just talked about, but it's <laughs> like, yeah. for me, that's either a really good show or a really bad show based on, mm. you know, mm-hmm. um, how, how it unfolded to me. I only remember either, you know, some funny parts or like some parts where it was a bad segment or something where we just couldn't get it going. So, you know, as you know, it just, it happens when you're in live radio, live TV, you gotta, you gotta grind through. Do you have one story that kind of sticks out to you either good or bad? Cause you know, in that on overdrive or leaf. Well, we have a segment that, okay. So Oh, had is the one funny one that still makes me laugh to this day is O had his shoulder surgery done Mm -hmm. and he came back after like five days, which I'm sure he was in so much pain and stuff, but because he had this sling, he couldn't like fit a sling over. So he wore like his wife's like shawl. It was like a poncho (laughs) or something. And we had to tape something before the show. We had to tape a segment. So we, we taped like a, five minute segment before mm-hmm. when he first came up, like we're all sitting at our desks uh, at home remotely. 
and we could see him sitting there and I was like, we couldn't keep it together. I'm like, he's wearing a poncho. <laughs> and so we, it took us like 10 minutes to get through like a two minute segment. Cause we were laughing so hard. So then, you know, nobody knows this, but like, I messaged our board op at the time. His, his name was Mark Mullen. I messaged him and I said, start the show with the song La Bamba. And <laughs> so, you know, we, we come up, it's like, welcome to Overdrive. And it's like, la, 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 La Bamba. And Hayes can't control himself. <laughs> and, and like, I'm dying laughing because like, <laughs> if you just see O sitting there in like a poncho, yeah, yeah. you can tell he's just in so much pain. And Hayes is like, I swear I did not do that. It was like, you did that. And, and it was actually me. I had sent Mullen a note, but it was just the funniest thing. I, I don't know why. When we get laughing, um, yeah. uh, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's infectious. And, you know, bad segments we had, you know, we all disagree on things and we'll get heated. But years ago, Owen, I had a disagreement, which was a bad one on air. And you know mm. what? We learned a lesson from it from our superiors um, and from colleagues too. Because mm -hmm. I remember talking to Ray Ferraro, is yeah. you when you get on air and you want to make a point, you're passionate about it. If somebody disagrees with you, you just lay out your your argument for it. But that one, I think we both took personal in the yeah. argument, and all it did it was bad radio. And it was bad TV. Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember what what it was about or, you know, how many years ago. But, you know, you have to keep in mind when you do stuff like this, you're in the entertainment business. So somebody who's driving around or watching the show or is engaged with you guys, they don't want to see that. Like, they don't want to yeah. hear that. It, it's so, you know, I remember my boss saying, like, that was bad radio. And we don't do that. We don't want to do bad radio. We want to do good radio. So mm -hmm. that it was a good lesson for me. Um and it was kind of early on in, you know, I guess our broadcasting career. Maybe I was a couple of years ahead of O, but it was still, at the end of the day, it was still a, a good lesson for us. Well, the this is the best way I can transition, but the, the Senators have had uh, to learn a lot of lessons yep. to, to start the season. Just you called their games this weekend and uh, on the color. Just what 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 do you kind of see from them this year, maybe the, different than, than other years? And especially with, uh, the absence of Norris and Pinto, like how would you kind of evaluate the, their play so far? Well, determined. So mm -hmm. that's the one word I come, like Brady just looked like a man that just was like not going to be denied. Um, Claude Giroux just picked up exactly where he left off last year, which is he's a guy who brings it every night. And if he doesn't have the legs, he certainly has the mind going that night. Um, I still think Timmy Stutzla has another level. He looked frustrated over the weekend because he's yeah. getting a lot of attention, which he's got to get used to. He's a superstar. Uh, I said this on the on the broadcast. When you're preparing for a team, so now you're preparing for Ottawa, you circle Stutzla and say, we gotta, we got to shut this guy down. So he's going to get extra slashes, extra face washes, all of that. He's got to find a way through that, and that's a learning process for a 21-year-old, 22-year-old type of thing. 21, I think. Yeah. So, um, but I look at it, I, you know, there's no secret how much I love Jake Sanderson. I think he just is a, he's a rock star of a player. I thought the goaltending was really good when it needed to be, um, mm. Saturday against Philly, you know, you look at Forsberg, I thought he just, he looked comfortable and he looked aggressive. He didn't have to make a lot of critical saves, but he made good ones. 
And then Corpusalo, when Tampa pushed, I thought he made some really good saves. So, you know, I guess what I took away from over the weekend is 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 if that's how they're going to play, that looks like more of a winning formula. And then if you can add Pinto in and you can add Norris in, um, all it is going to do is slot some guys a little bit better. I thought Ridley Gregg played really well. Yeah. And, you know, he's got a great future. But you're not going to, you know, when you're getting that matchup at the second line center, you're not going to be so fortunate every night, right? If you play Toronto and you've got Greg against Tavares or Nylander, like those are, he- that's heavy lifting. And it's it's asking maybe a little bit too much. But I thought Chartier looked good. I thought, um, you know, just the the balance of their roster, even their their fourth line had a little bit of jump, a little bit of pop. I didn't look at the numbers, uh, the underlying numbers, mm-hmm. but I just, I, I thought they they were noticeable and stood up for each other as a team. They were passionate. They were engaged. And you could tell, I, I thought they deserved a, I don't know, I would say a little better fate in Carolina. I didn't love Corpus Allo's game. Yeah. So, you know, but they, they took too many penalties. They were undisciplined. Um, you know, Carolina's a serious, serious team. And it was a good measuring stick, but I, I, I just, I love the response. That's what, you know, cause I, I look at Philly and they, they could be dangerous just because they've got some players that back and healthy, you know, Atkinson and they had uh, right. back and, but you know, they, they did a good job, scored early and just stuck with it. And then same thing uh, against Tampa, Tampa was pissed from the night before and they just couldn't get it going. Uh, you know, some of their depth is being challenged right now because of injuries. So, you know what? I, I thought they had a successful weekend. They got to build on it now. Um, with that, uh, I want to go to the Leafs, obviously, because you you know you're there all the time talking it for three hours yeah. a day. Um, you called them uh, the Leafs regular season heroes, which I just love that that line. So uh, <laughs> shout out to you on that one. But um, obviously, Matthews has had a great start to the season. If when it goes, you know, in Leafland, it's always about the playoffs. Is is it as much just if Matthews is like this in the playoffs, the Leafs are gonna be really good? Like, is it as much for them their best players just have to be their best players in, in the playoffs? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, but it's like any team. You know, you look at it like Vegas won the cup last year. The, you know, their third and fourth line really contributed. But if if Marcheseau doesn't score. You know, then if Mark Stone doesn't, you know, go into beast mode, if they don't get timely saves, like there's a formula and it changes a little bit every year. It's a copycat league. So, you know, now everyone's talking about bigger, stronger defensemen. That's that's how Vegas won. Vegas had a box plus one defensive style. So now I look at Edmonton and Tampa changed their defensive structure with it. So, you know, I, I think there is things where you look at it and you go, okay. Yeah, for Toronto, really, it's just Matthews and Marner. But, you know, you can't just throw them out there. And on a, if you're playing a team that has a Matthews and Marner on the other side, then it's, okay, and they cancel each other out. What do you do? It goes down the lineup. And who's going to be – who's going to score that big goal? I I know I don't – I'm probably dating myself, but there's a guy named Stefan Matteau. I'm sure, yeah. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, Matteau I do. scored that wraparound goal for the Rangers, you know, like – that's his legacy, right? But like you need unsuspecting characters to step up and go, you know, I got the big goal tonight. I got, I, it's not just, you know, that year, yes, Messier promised to win and and they mm-hmm. delivered all of that. But it was on given nights, somebody else that gave you something. And that's where, 
you know, I look at Vegas and how they were going to win. Jack Eichel was great. I didn't even mention him. But, you know, it was the William Carriers and it was, you know, farther down on the wall and guys like that who were a pain in the ass to play against. You know, that's where all of a sudden they're scoring big goals and 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 doing things that maybe, you know, a lot of the, we'll call it grunt work. And and so I, I with the Leafs, um, you know, time will tell. I you know, We don't worry about them in the regular season. We'll look at matchups in the playoffs. Health is a big factor in it. You see, you know, Tampa, they look different without Vasilevsky, right? Like yeah. you, you've got a rock star in net and all of a sudden you're rolling out Matt Tompkins for his first start at 29 years old, right? So, you know, if you always, if you're going to have a winning formula, your depth gets challenged and no greater example than Vegas who basically their fifth string goaltender, if you consider Jonathan Quick their yeah. fourth string, okay, Quickie at this stage of his career, Aiden Hill was your guy and he won a cup. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things that have to fall into place, but I would, you know, it starts with your big boys and they got to deliver. Do, do you find, I mean, a lot of talk in Leafland is about the defense and they're averaging over four goals a game. I mean, it's early, but you know, they're leaking goals. Yeah. Um, is that something like, is that something that they need to add at the deadline for you? Like how important is addressing that in, in some ways before the, the playoffs? Well, it has to be addressed and it has to be, I don't think, I don't know if it just is like at the deadline, you pick up, a, you know, a six, seven type yeah. of defenseman. Like, I think what you do is you figure out what John Klingberg, if for the Leafs, what John Klingberg can be for you night in and night out. If he's a three, if he's a four, if he's, you know, cause he, I think he's looked okay. Um, you know, certainly offensively, he's, he's really good at just very patient back there, walking the line, keeping the puck in. He's got a good stick defensively yeah i mean he's got his warts but everybody there's no perfect player out there i i i think it all when i look at their top four who's the standalone i guess morgan riley right and and morgan had seven i think it was 72 points a couple years back Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of power play but he was he was kind of that he took that step that next step right so if you're looking at riley again talk about copycat league Petrangelo and Theodore, who's that, you know, on, on the Leafs? Is that Riley and Brody? Is that McCabe and Lilligren or, or yeah. you know, uh, Klingberg? Yeah. So, in, and how much, if, if let's just say, because uh, look at Carolina's de- defense, where you've got Tony D'Angelo, who's the sixth defenseman there. Like, that's, that's some tremendous depth. So, if I, I always tell people, do the whiteboard, lay the teams beside each other. So, if you're looking at the Leafs whiteboard and you've got you know, Riley and Brody and McCabe and Klingberg and Giordano and Lilligren, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it. how does that stack up against Team X, Team Y? And, you know, in the regular season, no problem uh, because they can outscore some of the things. But in the playoffs and, and even down the stretch, how is that as the game shrinks, as the rink shrinks? How is that going to look? So I, I would, I'd be shocked uh, that that defensive core looks the same by March first type of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. I'm, I think March eighth is the. I can't remember the yeah, trade date. I, I don't have it on the top of my head. Yeah, but I, it's I always to, in I, March. So I know I'm in L.A. with the Senators, and I have to take the red eye back to get oh, back no. <laughs> to the Trade Center. But okay, well, um, 
I think it's like March 9th or 3rd. That's, I can't remember. That sounds date, right. Yeah. Yeah. But let's just call it the day after. Uh, like it's going to look different. And it wouldn't surprise me if things don't stabilize that maybe they make a move sooner. Um, I want to go to the Oilers because I know you were very high on them going into this year. And I'm sure yeah. after two games, uh, you maybe feel a bit differently or, but just, you know, they've obviously, you know, got trounced in the uh, first game and, you know, didn't play great in the second or didn't get the goaltending probably, but how much of their struggles so far this year would you put on maybe a McDavid and, and, and dry or is it more just as simple as goaltending and maybe lack of defense for that team? I think it's more two things. When I was talking about the defensive structure, so they changed their defense, the box. Uh, their structure, the box plus one. Game one, you could tell they were thinking out there. They were just like standing around watching. Uh, game two, they gave up 18 shots. You know, yeah. you need to save. And I I thought Casey DeSmith was great. You know, he he kind of stole that game. And you can't, you can't have a goalie steal the game every night. But you, if you look at it, I, I didn't love Stuart Skinner's game. And I'll, I'll tell you why. They The Oilers come out like a house on fire. They score right away. Power play goal. Dry sidle scores. The building's going crazy. They take a lazy penalty. And then they give up a deflection goal in front where there's no coverage. And I can't remember who touched it, but just redirect in front. I think it was Hoaglander maybe. He might have been the second one. But either way, there's no coverage. And, and at some point, you need a save. So no problem. They they get behind 2-1. They tie it up. They get the third goal is a 2-on-0. So it's a poor read. You've got Fogel on his offside. He fires it far side. The puck goes around. And Darnell Nurse is cheating. He wants to cheat for offense. And all of a sudden, the puck goes around the boards, and he can't get there. 2-on-0 going the other way. So Nurse is pressuring it. If you go back and look at the goal, yeah, it's a pass across. Stuart Skinner falls down pushing from left to right. He falls down, the puck goes underneath him. So again, do you blame a goaltender on a two-on-o? No. But can you get us, like, it's Make timely saves. Save. Yeah. Timely saves, right? We saw it over the weekend with Forsberg and Corpusello. Big saves at the right time to just settle things down. So, and then, okay, so they get it to 3-3. No problem. The 4-3 goal, Lafferty, you, you need to make that save. If you actually look, Look at it, it's down the wall. He gets an inside position, and Skinner looks like he's ready to absorb contact because mm. Lafferty's coming hard. So he lifts up, and the puck goes over his blocker side. And then they do, there is contact. But you need you need that save to, like, where the bench goes, you know, big save, boys, let's go the other way. Instead, right now, there's deflating plays that really, like, kill the team. So – they play Ottawa or they play Nashville tonight. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can go, okay, you just need 29 and 97 to turn it on. So if your philosophy, like I'll spin it to the Leafs. The Leafs haven't had great goaltending, but they they got seven the first they got six the first night and seven the second night. So if you score 13, that a good chance you're gonna win. So early on, when when systems are loose and and goaltending's a little bit looser and there's the breakdowns. Teams like Edmonton, teams like Toronto, high-scoring teams, they can outscore their problems. So I think that's what the mindset is tonight. It's like if we're – I don't know who's starting. I think I would assume it's Jack Campbell, yeah. but they need a save from Jack Campbell, and those guys need to outscore anything that they're going 
that they've got going. And, and to be honest, their power play, I think is 27%. I thought I looked this morning. Wow. And it hasn't been very sharp. Like they, you could see that teams are trying to disrupt their entries. Teams are trying to ups, like get them off kilter because they were the greatest uh, power play team in the history of the game last year. So obviously people are going to pre-scout it all summer and go, we got to disrupt that drop play. We got to dr- disrupt their entries. So Edmonton has to find a way to fight through some of these things that teams are now pre-scouting for. Uh, I want to go to the Habs, a, a team that's kind of up on, on on the come up. How would you kind of kind of evaluate their their rebuild so far? Obviously, Doc just went out for it yeah. seems like the year, which really sucks because he's been playing well for them. But how would you kind of grade their rebuild so far, and and how much of that hinges on guys like Slavkovsky outside of maybe Suzuki and and Caulfield? Well, Slavkovsky, the the best game I've seen him play as a pro was that first night against the Leafs. I thought he looked like an NHL player, which is a good start. Um, the Doc injury is so unfortunate because I would argue that Kirby Doc, even though you know Matthew scored three, like I I would argue that that Doc was the best player on the ice or was was one of them. So, you know that injury. I don't know. I'm not guessing. It looked like a hamstring to me. I've heard. I think Eric Engel said uh, ACL or MCL, which is okay, neat. so me. Yeah. Like it looked weird the way he was coming off, but it's awful. Uh, that's going to hurt his development and progression because he's already had uh, injuries. But I've said this all along. I don't think Montreal's a playoff team, but I don't think they're a bottom feeder. And the reason being is, outside of the dock injury, if they have health which they didn't have last year, you know, they were close to the highest games in history of man games lost. And that was by design too. guy had a hangnail. They shut him down because we're trying to get Bernard. Like they Mm -hmm. were trying to get close, but now if they can stay healthy, they're just better through osmosis. You know, new hook is a really nice spine. Like he's a real player, you know, Caulfield, if he stays healthy, like I, he could be a 40 goal scorer. Uh, Suzuki is just a really solid player. Josh Anderson, I know he's not an analytics dream, but I I really like him because he's a unicorn. He's different. He's different. He's hard to play against. He's a good skater. Uh, you know, Gallagher always battles. So I, I look at some of their depth up front and I go, it's not as bad as people think. So, um, you know, I look at, and they got a young defense, really. You know, that's that's where they're they're going to have some lumps. But I, I I think they're a team that is if I had to grade their their rebuild they're doing a pretty damn good job. Before I let you go, I just want to ask you about the uh, the Jets because um they had two massive signings. How how much do you think the the signings of Hellebuck and Mark Scheifele kind of impact their window to maybe get back to being contenders? A lot because I I think like we're all human, so you you think of those players in the dress room in the off season. And all you hear is like, oh, Hellebuck, you know, not sure. Shifley might trade, you know, like it, it's distracting and it's it's unnerving because these are your friends. It, yes, it's a hockey. It's the business. But you're you're just constantly going, OK, are they going to get it done? It's the elephant in the room. Like, you know, if they didn't get the, that signing like done right away before training camp or before the start of the season. All of a sudden you're going into the season going well, these guys are getting traded yeah. and and you got to wonder where their head's at. So I think if anything, it just stabilizes the group because it says to Kyle Connor, we're not throwing in the towel to Nick Ehlers, to Perfetti, you know, to, to Adam Lowry, who's been a longstanding guy there to Josh Morrissey, who had a career year last year goes, we're sticking with this core 
and let's go see what we can do with it. And we're going to add to it. We've had to add to it on the fly with the trade of Dubois, with uh, Wheeler being bought out. You had to, like all of these things you had to add to. That's just building your team on the fly. And keep in mind, and I grew up in Edmonton, so I feel like I can say this, Winnipeg market isn't for everybody, right? It's just, yeah. it's just not. So that team always has to, in transition, draft, develop, and have cost control over a lot of their young players before the players get the controls for themselves to go, do I want to be here for 12 years or not? So I think it's fantastic that Hellebuck and Shifley said, they put up their hands and said, yeah, like for the right price and the right term, we're staying. And they did. So I, I, I think there's a lot of stability there. Now let's see what they can do. So last question. Uh, it's a fun one. Yeah. If you were noodles, if uh, you know, Gary Bettman resigns and, and says, you're, you're the commissioner, uh, Jimmy McClendon, what would be your first act? What would the, be the first rule that you'd change? as NHL commissioner? I, I talked to the players association about extending overtime. Um, I just, you see some of the shootouts. I'm talking about it today on sports center. Like it's nonsense. Like, you know, it's a, it's a skills competition. You got Kuznetsov. That's just letting the wind blow him in. And he takes 30 seconds to get down there. Like that, that to me is not, that's not the spirit of the game. I know for somebody who had 30, like I have 36 ties in my career. Oh, wow. so, like fans want to go home with a win or a loss. So I get it. But overtime hockey is so exciting nowadays. I'd like to see that extended. The problem is, is you're asking top players to add minutes to them, right? Yeah. Because it's not, they're not putting out fourth liners. So all you're doing is adding probably three minutes you know, maybe or give or take to yeah. your top end players on a given night. So that would be like my 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 first order of business is just to try. Hey, we're we're tweaking that. Um, I don't know. We always have these arguments about, <laughs> you know, refing and can refing get to another level? Um, I've always maintained there's four refs on the ice. I would take one off and I would have that one mic to mm. the guy on the ice and being an eye in the sky. And the reason I say that I'm in between the benches, but there's some nights where I'm up top. The game is so much different from yeah. up top than it is on the ice. So, you know, something happens behind the play and the ref that's on the ice can't see it. You radio him say that was a high stick. That was here. Like it's more of a, a it's teamwork. They have teamwork on the ice. It could be teamwork with one guy on the ice. One guy is, uh, you know, as the eye in the sky. Yeah. That would just kind of clean up some of the nonsense, I think. But again, we're never going to have a game of perfect, and I don't think people want it. But uh, I think that would be another thing I'd look at. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for taking the time. I know you're not very busy these days, so uh, I'm glad <laughs> I could kind of fill a hole for you. But uh, in all sincerity, thanks so much for doing this. Is there anything at TSN that you just want to plug before I let you go? Uh, no, I mean, you know, turn on TSN. I feel like I'll be on it uh, every day. So, but yeah, I mean, overdrive, all of the stuff that that we on, but I love doing the Sens broadcast. That's I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing it next weekend, uh, next Saturday afternoon. Awesome. I'll be there. So it'll be, be well, looking forward to that one. Well, I'll definitely see you, uh, uh, you know, I'll hear you on, uh, on TV when I get back from the games and uh, that's how I kind of connect with you, Jamie. So thanks so much for, for taking the time and doing this and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Absolutely. We'll chat soon.